tonight, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter uh, number 4, and 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter number 3. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time together. Pray that you give us a great time tonight around your word, and uh, may you be exalted. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Quick uh, thank you, uh, uh, thank you letter, uh, thank you card, uh, dear uh, church family. Uh, I want to thank all of you for praying for me while I was traveling. Jesus was with me. I am very grateful. Thank you for being my church family. I love you all, Miss Gwen Gordy, Miss Gwen Gordy. And so uh, she was away. We're thankful. She's so thankful. Uh, for protection. Uh, If you get on that road, you will be thankful if you make it anywhere uh, safely. Uh, So um, we certainly uh, do praise the Lord. Uh, Praise the Lord for that. Ephesians chapter number four is where we kind of started uh, this morning. And then we moved over uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, number three. And so we're talking about uh, putting away uh, putting away the old man. And he says there in verse number 20 of Ephesians chapter 4, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt, according to deceitful lusts. So we talked a little bit this morning about putting off the old man. One thing I wanted to mention this morning, I didn't get time to mention or didn't remember to mention, uh, but uh, one thing that's important to remember. There are some things you can trust and some things you cannot trust. Would you agree with that statement? Of course. Some things you can trust. There's some people you can trust, and some people have proved that you cannot trust them, right? Somebody continues to lie to you, it's hard to to put your trust in that person, right? So let me tell you something about the old man. He can't be trusted. The old man can't be trusted. I'm I'm talking about that old flesh, it wants to do wrong, it wants to deceive you, it wants to lust, it wants to uh, be envious, it wants to do all these things. And if you're not careful, you'll allow the old man to take you on a journey that you never expected to take. I'm telling you. So the old man can't be trusted, the Holy Spirit can be. See the difference? That's why the Bible says that there's a battle against the flesh and the spirit, the spirit against the flesh and their contrary. Why one can be trusted and the other cannot. So don't go off of, it always, always makes me cringe just a little bit when somebody makes the statement, no, preacher, I just, I'm just going to follow my heart. Now, not all people really mean it like I'm about to say it, um, but we forget that the heart is above all things desperately wicked. Okay, we don't want to follow that which is wicked. We're having a so, see. Some of you are very distracted. We're having a leak in the air conditioning, and that's why you're hearing crunching and you're seeing people climbing all over the place. Uh, one of the air conditions is leaking, and um, some of y'all were almost never getting you back because you're like, "What in the world is?" <clears throat> um, which reminds me, pretty funny. I don't know if I told you this. But last time Brother Appleby was here, 
He said, he told me, he said, we were talking and, and, and I was preaching and I started talking about, we went to Frank and Linda's, actually, he said, I don't know what he said, Don and Don and Don and Henrietta's or something like that. He said, I said, you talking about Frank and Linda's? He said, yeah, yeah, other place. He said, and we started talking about liver and onions. He said, preacher, I didn't think I was ever going to get him back. And he said, I almost just prayed and ended the service uh, because we just got distracted. And by the way, that happens to preachers sometimes. They just find a hole and whoop, and they just jump right in it, um, which I just did. Anyways, uh, the old man, and the old man cannot be trusted. But the new man, you know, Christ has saved us. He has placed the Holy Spirit of God in us. And the Holy Spirit of God is trying to guide you into truth. Okay? So what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's guiding you away from deceit. He's guiding you away from lusts. He's guiding you away from anger. The Holy Spirit is trying to guide you into truth because it's truth that changes us. You're an angry person, truth's going to help change you. You're a jealous person, truth is what's going to help change you. You're a gossiping person, truth is what helps us. You depend on the flesh and you are going to get more angry. You depend on the flesh, you're going to get more deceitful. That's just the way it goes. You can't depend on the things of this world. You can't depend on the things of the flesh. You have to depend on the things of the Spirit. And as we trust the Holy Spirit, we walk in truth. So the Holy Spirit never guides you the wrong direction. He never, he never gives you um, the, the wrong path to take. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit never takes you down a path that's difficult, because sometimes life is difficult, right? God didn't say when He saved us that all things will become easy, but He did say all things will become new. And these new things... Uh, are in Christ, and Christ and the truth is what makes the difference. So back over, uh, go back with me a few books into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So what do we need to put away concerning the old man? Concerning the old man, what do we need to put away? We talked about it, just touched on it this morning. We need to put away our infancy. We need to put away our infancy. There's nothing like an, like a like a baby, right? I mean, most of them are adorable. Uh, listen, there's no sense in lying and saying every baby's pretty. I mean, it's just not the case. But most of them are just cute, right? And you hold them, and they smile at you. And but you know what an infant is? It is helpless. So you don't open the door of the nursery, and tell your infant child, I'm sleeping, don't wake me up again. You got a, you got a poopy diaper, change it yourself. You want something to eat, get up and go to the refrigerator. I don't, I don't know anybody's ever told their infant child that, right? Why? Because an infant is, is, is helpless. It can't do for itself. But for you to get to adulthood, you have to go through infancy. 
Right? Does that make sense? Nobody is, is born an adult. Praise God, ladies. I mean, that just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have to start small, and then they grow up. Listen to me. You want to be in a mature Christian, you have to start in infancy. Nobody, nobody gets saved, and all of a sudden they know everything there is to know about the Bible. That's not how that works. You have to grow up. You have to be an infant first. What does an infant take? You don't, you know, your baby's crying at 3 o'clock in the morning because babies never cry at the right time. Right? They always cry at the most inopportune time. And it's crying at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you go in there, and, and, and you pick your baby up, and you try to rock them. And, and by the way, I hate to say this, and people get mad at me for saying it, but babies are nothing but liars. I mean, really, half the time that they're crying, they're not crying about anything. They just want to be held, right? And why are they liars? Well, because we're born in sin. Okay, let's, let's face it. And so you pick the child up and you try to rock it and you're in a rocking chair and you're sound asleep, but the baby's still screaming and you're sleep deprived and you say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to feed, I'm going to feed the baby. So you put the baby back in the crib and you go in there and you, you take out a ribeye and you stick the ribeye in the, in the frying pan. You fry up the baby a ribeye and a baked potato. And you go back in there and you pick them up and you just start shoving ribeye into the baby's mouth. You, you don't do that, do you? What do you do? You, you, get, you get milk. And uh, the baby starts on milk. That's where a baby starts. That's where a baby Christian starts. You know, the Bible calls us, when we're first saved, newborn babes in Christ. So, we have been, John 3 talks about it, we have been born again. You remember what Nicodemus said? Yeah. Oh, 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 time out. What are you talking about, born again? How in the world do you go back into your mother's womb? I mean... He clearly was misunderstanding. He was talking about the spiritual end. When we are saved, we are born. The Bible says in John 3, ye must be born again. And, and, and then we're newborn babes in Christ, and we drink the milk of the Word at some point. Now, I'm not here to tell you what point that is. I don't, I don't know what age that is. But at some point, bread's got to be introduced. At some point... Meat ought to be introduced into your diet as you grow physically. Now, I know that looks different for everybody. Our firstborn, Kyle, I'm telling you right now, he did nothing but nurse. And we, get, we, gave him, we didn't give him any table food. I can't even remember how old he was, but we were in Mississippi. Pascagoula, Mississippi, we were, we were visiting with our good friends, the Doherty's. And we were at Jerry's. Oh, my goodness. Just thinking about Jerry's just brings me back. I mean, it is one of the greatest chicken places that you could ever, ever. It's just a little tiny, but people would come from everywhere to eat at Jerry's. Oh, my goodness. Good place to eat. And, uh, and, and the girl said, hey, why don't you guys go up to the, to the bar and, and, and get your food, and uh, we'll sit here with Kyle. He was just sitting up. I don't remember how old he was, but he was just sitting up, and he had had absolutely nothing. We didn't do baby food, and so he, he, he said he had nothing but nursing. And, uh, and, and, we, and we got our plates, and we were so excited, and we come back and come around the corner, and there's Kyle. And there's the girls shoving mashed potatoes and gravy into Kyle's gullet. I mean by the spoonful. 
And Kyle smiles about this big, and he's it's all over his face. And Wendy was like, you know, he's never had. And we're, as we're telling them, he's never had table. Oh, I can't believe that. And they're just stuffing the food into. Well, from then on, he started having you know table food. I don't know when it is when you transition, but there should be a transition. It is a tragedy. Listen to me. It is a tragedy in churches, and you see it all the time. And you see it in every church, where people never, ever grow up in the faith. They stay babes in Christ. They stay on the milk of the Word. And they never grow up. And you know who those people end up being? This might not be nice, but it's just the truth. You know what those people end up being? They end up being the, here they all come. Told you they were doing air conditioning work. They're not the people I'm talking about, by the way. That wasn't good timing, was it? Anyways, um, y'all came out at the wrong time. But anyways, um, you know what those people end up being? They end up being the gossipers. They end up being the people that talk behind people's back. They end up being the people that try, try to, try to split churches and try to ruin the, those are the Those are the people that end up getting offended by every little thing. I mean, those are the kind of people that, that have lived and stayed on the milk of the Word. What do we need to do? We need to put away our infancy. We need to put away... Uh, now, if you're, a, if you're a newborn and you're just saved, then there's a time of infancy. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the newly saved. I'm talking about us that have been saved for some time, however long that time is. There's been people, I used to be able to, I used to, be able to say there's, been peop, there's people that have been saved as long as I'm alive, but I'm getting older now, and that is getting harder to say, but maybe even some that is older than have been saved for a very, very long time. So to say it politely, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up in the faith. It's time, you know, God says, do you know how important it is to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you? Do you have hope? Listen, if you're looking at this world and you're watching the news, no hope. If you're looking at the government and you're looking at the economy and you're looking at gas prices, I went and got gas. I don't know, a few days ago. I'm pumping the gas. And I'm thinking to myself, well, man, that's, that's not, it wasn't too bad. I don't think, I think I ended up paying 319 or 3, you know, 310 or so. I don't remember what it was, something like that. And I went to pump gas the other day. And I had 10 cents off. So I was like, yeah, I got 10 cents off. And I started, started pumping. It was 339. I said, is that with the 10 cents? When did it go up? By the way, you could close your eyes and open your eyes back up and it's gone up. You could get gas. I think about some of these big old monster trucks where they, they gun it. I said, bless our heart, that's so cool, but they have to get gas at the next you know, gas station. Uh, you know, and they just got it. it. It could have changed from gas station to gas station. If, you're, if your dependency is upon the government, if your dependency is about, uh, uh, upon our economy, if your dependency is upon the president, we're all in trouble, aren't we? Hence the reason we live in a hopeless society. A hopeless world. I think of Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah the prophet? 
Everybody knows that Jeremiah wrote Jeremiah, right? Hard one. But you know, he wrote the next book, too. It's called Lamentations. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. By the way, that's what lamentations are. So it's a, it's a, a, a laments over, over, his, uh, over his people, laments over his country. Uh, bad news. Listen, prophets gave news regardless if it was good or bad. God gave it. And when God gave it, they gave it to the people. Sometimes it was good. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it was bad and they wanted to kill the prophet. I mean, it bad. nobody wants to deliver bad news. And boy, he wept and wept and wept over the condition of his people and his country. You know, we should weep over the condition of our people and our country. Unbelievable things that are going on in our world. Hopeless. But you know, do you know Jeremiah found hope? In a hopeless generation? Because his hope wasn't in the world. His hope wasn't in the king. His hope wasn't in uh, uh, finances. His hope wasn't in good news. Because it seemed like every time Jeremiah had to share something, it was bad news. Where was his hope? His hope was in God. And when our hope is in God and our hope is in Jesus... It's a hope that's everlasting. It's a hope that trumps the hopelessness of this world. Hence the reason we can walk around with a smile on our face. Hence the reason that we can say, hey, listen, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I mean, I got better things waiting for me. People will think you are a quack. They might already think you're a quack. I mean, if you have any kind of hope, they're thinking to themselves, why in the world do you have hope? Because my hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And he changes everything. So put away, put away the old man, put away the infancy and grow up in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about these things when it comes to our infancy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, first of all, verse number 3, we taught, we'll look at the deeds of infancy. The deeds of infancy. Verse number 3, he says this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal? And walk as men? Listen, by the way, that's a rhetorical question. He's telling them, you are carnal. You're walking in the flesh. You're walking in your infancy. And you need to put that away and grow up. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse number 16. Watch this, the scripture says. James 3 and verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Where envying and strife is, if you allow your flesh, if you allow your, over, uh, your, your, um, your old man to overwhelm you, there'll be envying and strife. And where envying and strife is, there's always division. Somebody that is envious, 
Somebody that all they are is about strife. I'm telling you, division is around the corner. Do you know what my mama used to tell me? I ignored her. Didn't pay attention to what she told me, but she told me the truth. She told me, Joey, be careful who you hang out with. She used to tell me that when I was just a little kid. Be careful who you hung out with. Do you know in the Navy, I'm talking about in the, in, the, in the military, when our ship would pull into port, you know what they'd tell us? One of the, some of the very first things that they would tell us, be careful where you go. There's some shady areas that you shouldn't go. Now, I don't know why they told a bunch of young sailors that. I mean, those are the first places we found, was hard. But anyways, it, their intentions were right, right? Be careful where you go. Be careful who you hang out with. Because here's a truth for you, right? Birds of a feather flock together. And we so often think that we're going to influence them for good, and they often influence us for evil. They often bring us down. They often bring us to a place that we wouldn't normally go. We wouldn't normally say. Have you ever met somebody, and you knew that person for the longest time, and they had a certain temperament? And their temperament changes. And you say to somebody else when you're talking about a person, you say, they're just not themselves. You ever said that about somebody? Maybe even somebody in your family, somebody that was close, maybe a friend or a former friend or a coworker. They're just not themselves. Guarantee you, there is a person or people that are involved that are skewing their thinking that are moving them from where they used to be to a place where they never thought they would be. Because envying and strife bring division, and it brings division amongst God's people. But you know, God talks a lot about a lot of subjects, right? You want a, you want a healthy, um, you want a healthy um, Bible study? Do the study of love in the Bible. I mean, you'll be studying it for a very long time, right? God has a lot to say about, uh, about uh, love. Do you know God has a lot to say about money? Did you know that God has a lot to say about hell? God has a lot to say about Do you know a subject that God has a real lot to say about? It's the subject of unity. Over and over and over. Especially, do you find it interesting? I find it very interesting that at the, that the, at the infancy of the church, the church had just begun. Whether you believe the church began with Jesus as disciples or if you began at Pentecost, whenever you believe the church has begun, at the infancy of the church in the book of Acts, over and over and over again, the Bible talks about togetherness. It talks about unity. It talks about being in one place and in one accord. God pounds into the early church 
the importance of unity because if you don't have unity, division's around the corner. And division's not healthy for the church. Because where envying and strife is, there is division and every evil work. I wish every single person, don't you wish this? I wish every single person had good intentions. Don't you? I wish every single person was looking out for you. But it just isn't the case. I mean, it just isn't the case. There are people out there that are in it for themselves. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this relationship? Have you ever been in one? Been around. If you've tried to help people, I bet you have. Blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, you got the scars where you try to help somebody. As soon as you turn around, they stabbed you in the back. Because they were in the relationship for what's in it for me. Now, it's unfortunate that there are people in this world that are like that, but it's really unfortunate when there's people in the church that are like that. Just ought not be so. But it just is. That's why Peter warns of wolves in sheep's clothing. We always have to be diligent. We always have to be watchful because they're out there. And some of them may be saved and living in infancy, but many of them are not, and they are only wolves pretending to be sheep. The deeds of infancy. The fruit of a spiritual church. Don't you want to be a spiritual church? Don't you want to be a church that God recommends? Now, I want to be a church that people recommend, right? I want to be a church where people can come, they can feel comfortable in our church, and then that person can say, hey, let me tell you about Rankin Baptist Temple. I'm proud of my church, and I would love for you to come. Today, at lunch, Mary Lauren told me, Asher invited the waitress to church. Get them early, folks. Get them early. But that's what we should be doing. We should be proud of our church, and we should be inviting people to our church. It's awesome to be able to be uh, proud of your church that you can invite people to. But wouldn't it be awesome if God recommended our church? You know, he did that on multiple occasions in the Word of God. You remember the, the churches of Macedonia? Boy, God re- recommended the churches of Macedonia for their faith, for who they were, how they helped, for their financial uh, contributions, even though they didn't have any money, they contributed anyways. And God spoke highly of those churches. Where Paul often would recommend not only individual people, but churches as well. Look at this church. They are an example. The spiritual temperature of any church, the spiritual fruit of any church is unity. Nobody wants to be a part of a church that's broken. Now, I'm not talking about we're all broken, okay? We, we're, I'm not talking about that kind of broken. I'm talking about fragmented. 
And you got one church, but you got a piece of a church over here, and then you got this group over here, and this group's not happy with the, the Sunday school teacher, and this group's not happy with the deacons, and this group's not happy with the preacher, and then, and then you got this group separating from this group, and you got a fragmented church. You know, people see that. I mean, they see it quick. Sometimes we can get so caught up in it that we don't see it for ourselves. But when people come from the outside, do you know often churches start off as friendly churches and they become cold and they become indifferent? And it's been done over a, a long period of time so they don't notice it? Do you know if you boil water and drop a frog and boil water, the frog will jump out of it? Do you know if you put that frog in the same water, not boiled, and start boiling it, he'll stay in there until he dies? It's interesting. You know, this often happens in churches. We get so used to things. We don't get the, the freshness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't get the freshness of worship in our lives. We don't get the freshness, and we become stale, stagnant. I think so often that so many people have become stale and stagnant. And that once friendly church becomes unfriendly, and they don't even know they're unfriendly. Because they've been in it for so long. And a visitor comes along. I'll tell you who can, who can tell. A visitor can tell whether you have a friendly church. You ever been to a church that's cold? I'm not talking about the air conditioning. Yeah, I'm talking about... I'm not cold. Nobody says anything to you. You sit down. They look at you like, what are you doing here? You ever, you ever been to a small town? You ever go to a restaurant in a small town? I love it. We probably do it in Rankin too. Somebody comes in that you know don't, they don't belong. They don't live there. They must just be passing through. And why are you passing through my town? You ever been to one of the? We find small towns. We love them. We go back roads. I mean, small towns are my thing. I love it. And I love to see the old buildings and just the murals and all the small, small town USA. That's how I grew up. I love small towns. But we'll pick a local place and we'll go in there to go order. And you got, you know, John and Tom that have been sitting on the same booth for 45 years talking because that's what they've done for the last 45 years you walk up and they go like what are you doing here why are you in my town and don't sit in their seat you know they've been sitting there for that's one thing in a restaurant it's a whole nother thing in a church you know what I do I often do you'll have to forgive me I know God will forgive me but sometimes I pray that we'll have a visitor and they'll come and sit in your seat. I do. Because I want to see, I want to see your reaction. I want to see. Listen, we went to a church. Matter of fact, I was preaching at the church. Preaching at this church. We got there early and you know, I've always been taught if you're if you're on time, you're late. So we're always early. And so we got there early. There wasn't hardly anybody there. And Wendy and I were just sitting there. We're just sitting there waiting for the people to come in. And this lady came in and she walked right up to Wendy and said, you're in my seat. Yes, ma'am, we're moving right now. 
she looked mean, so we figured we better, we better move. And so, and so we moved, and we just kind of chuckled about it and laughed about it. And, and I'm thinking to myself, lady, you've never even met me. So as far as you know, I'm a visitor. And you're asking me to move out of your seat? Now, she, I forgive her. She was old. She was probably 160, and she, that, was, that was her seat. She probably would have left if we didn't move. But my point is, if we're not careful... We can get that way in our own life. And it doesn't, listen to me, it doesn't take much. Put away your infancy and get, listen, the spiritual fruit of a church is unity. Unity. Are we of one mind and are we of one accord? Now, be careful. I'm not saying that we all think alike. Because we don't. Some of, us think, some of us think very, very differently. For instance, some, if they break into your house, the first thing you're going to do is call 911. The first thing I'm going to do is reach to my bedside stand. Think differently. Neither one of them are wrong. We just think differently. And often we think you drive by, some of you drive by a bookstore and say, there's a bookstore. I drive by a bookstore and almost get in an accident because I'm trying to get into that bookstore. We think differently. Being in one accord in one mind doesn't mean we agree on everything. Right? How, how boring would it be if we agreed on everything? We don't, right? Everybody has different ideas. For instance, if we changed this hideous red carpet, and they tell me, no, 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 you don't understand, it was orange before, so red is good. Uh, But if we ever changed this carpet, and I said, okay, we're going to have a vote on what kind of carpet and what color carpet we're going to put in this church. there would be a scrap. You're going to put what in there? I can't. That's never going to work. This is going to work. That color's terrible. I like this color. It's unbelievable. Why? Because we think differently, and that's okay. That's, can I tell you something? That's what makes us stronger, not weaker. There are things, you know, God puts people together, right? I believe with all my heart. I mean, with all my heart, that God gave me my wife to be my help me. There are things that she thinks of, I promise you, I would have never thought of. There are things, God started molding her at a very young age to be a pastor's wife. Everything that she does, 90% of what she does, you probably don't even know about. It's all behind the scenes. She don't, she don't need the glory. She don't need the, But let me tell you something. You, you just think I'm bad. If it wasn't for my wife, you, you might have already had a couple meetings about voting me out. I'm just telling you. I mean, because she keeps me focused. and she Why? Because God puts people in our lives, right? I mean, all of us know it. It keeps it and, and, and puts us together, not because we think alike, not because we do the same things alike, but because we complement one another. 
And boy, I'm telling you something, it's the same true with the church. God puts us together so that we complement one another, so that we can work things together, so that we can have one mind and one accord. Let me tell you something that you probably don't know about Dwayne Duff. He's not in here. Miss Sherry's not going to tell on me. But Dwayne, would, we, we have meetings and deacons meetings and deacons and trustees meetings and budget meetings and and treasury meetings, and we have all these things, and we've got to talk about things that happen in the church. And we'll often talk about things and disagree. Can you believe that? I mean, me and Dwayne disagreeing, right? And we'll disagree. And by the way, if Dwayne was standing here next to me, I'd be saying the same thing, and he'd probably be saying it with me. And we disagree on things. And there are times where I concede and say, yeah, that's probably a good idea. That's probably the best. Dwayne has, like some of you, insight because he's been here a long time. But maybe we won't do that. And there's some times that I'm really pig-headed. I said, listen, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. We're, 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 we're doing this. Did you know that often when Dwayne was on the deacon board, or when Brother Tom was on the deacon board, because Brother Tom, I think, is the only other one that had to do it, but they'd have to get up in front of the church and they'd have to pitch an idea that they disagreed with. Think about that for a second. Matter of fact, they're pitching an idea that they voted against. You know why? Not because they agree with everything that I say, but because of unity and being in one accord and having one mind. We're going to leave. I don't know how many times we've said it in the deacon board. I don't know how many times we've said it in the trustee board. We may disagree in here, but when we leave here, we're leaving here as a team. We're not leaving here and one person comes out to the congregation and says, well, let me tell you what the preacher's going to do. I totally disagree with it. Let me tell you what that causes. Division. Division. Do you know what they did? You know why we have good men on the deacon board? Because they don't do that garbage. And we are one mind. And water. Why? Because unity is paramount, church. It's par- I think it's underrated. And we need to understand the importance of having unity amongst God's people. Not only in leadership, but in God's people in general. We need to have unity when it comes. Here you go. Ready? I'm going to give you these real quick tonight. Number one, we need to have unity when it comes to doctrine. What you believe is important. What you believe ought to come from one source. Now, I've got, I've got books on my bookshelf that, um, that there are things that people say that I disagree with. But I still have them on my bookshelf. My wife, my wife sent to me the other day. She was, she's always sending me these quotes and and, and, and different things that she reads or, or sees uh, out on social media or wherever on a podcast. Uh, and she sent me this thing and said, let me tell you something. And this, this, this author said, it was pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. She said, this guy's a quack. Well, I probably have 50 of his books. I said, yeah, I don't know why he said that. He's generally a good you know, he's a good preacher, he's doctrinally sound. And she said, no, 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 
he's a quack because he said this crazy off the wall thing and it was crazy off the wall. And so I don't agree with everything on my shelf. Right? So we don't always have to agree on everything, but when it comes to doctrine, we ought to have unity. What, what we believe about God the Father, what we believe about God the Son, what we believe about God the Holy Spirit, what we believe about the Word of God, what we believe about sin, what we believe about man, what we believe about salvation. There shouldn't be different pages. We should all be on the same page when it comes to doctrine. There's a lot of people and a lot of different people that I can work with in the ministry. But if your doctrinal your doctrine is off, I can't I can't work with that. I can't go to an evangelistic meeting if the if the five churches that are represented represented all believe something different about salvation. I can't support that. Why? Because I don't know what they're telling these people about salvation, and I can't be a part of that. Why? Because we always should be in unity when it comes to doctrine. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about preference. I'm talking about doctrine. I've been to churches where I didn't agree with the music. They were doctrinally sound. I stayed in the service. But there have been churches where I love the music and they got up and said something off the wall and I had to leave. Because I can't support something that's not doctrinally sound. He tells the early church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 2 and verse 42. He talks about being in one accord and, and, and uh, being together in doctrine. There needs to be unity in doctrine. Number two, there needs to be unity in church. We've already touched on that. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. God gives the early church the the seriousness of having unity amongst its people. Because disunity brings fragmentation. Unity in doctrine, unity in the church, unity in prayer. Unity in prayer. Isn't it silly? It's unfortunate, but it happens a lot. And I don't, think they, I don't think it's meant to happen. But there's a lot of lying that goes on in church. And one of those lyings is, and I think it's, I call it Christianese. Okay? So there's like Chinese and Japanese and then there's Christianese. We have, a, we have a, way, a way that we talk. And we see somebody and we see something that somebody's going through and we say to them, I'm praying for you. If you're not praying for them, you know that's a lie. Right? If, if you hadn't prayed for them, if you're not going to pray for them, then it's best to just not say anything. Or just say, I'm sorry that you're going through something. But don't tell them you're going to pray for them if you're not going to pray for them. There ought to be unity amongst God's people when it comes to prayer. Think about this. How in the world can you expect to to pray for your brother that you're fragmented from? How How can you pray for your sister in Christ 
when you're mad at her or somebody has drawn you away from her. And now, instead of praying for her or instead of praying for him, we're now at enmity with them. And it's amazing to me the reasons that split people. It's absolutely insane. Some of the things that we might disagree with. Do you know how many times I've disagreed with somebody and moved on? I I couldn't count them. It happens often. And what do you do? You put away your infancy, you grow up, and you move on. So it didn't go the way you thought. So you disagree with. Now, if it's doctrinal, we should stand up and say, hold on, whoa, wait a minute, the Bible says. But if it's methodology, and it's something that you disagree with, and it doesn't go your way, build a bridge and get over it. Why am I saying that? Because I have to. Do you know how much more I have to do it than you have to do it? Oh, please. You only have to deal with me. I've got to deal with everybody. It happens all the time. And so what do we do? We put away that disunity. We put away that infancy. And we grow up so that we can pray for one another. You really want to change your relationship that you have with somebody that you're in disunity with? Pray for them. I mean... Something wrong in your heart, and you're really trying to get it out of your heart, but man, you just have this enmity against this person. Pray for that person. Pray pray for them on a daily basis. I mean, truly pray for them. There needs to be unity in prayer. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Prayer in unity. And the uh, unity in prayer. And then let me give you another one. We're not going to every verse because I know I'm going to run out of time. So uh, not only unity in doctrine, unity in church, unity in prayer, but unity in praise. You know, we ought to get together to praise the Lord. We ought to get together. Listen, when you, when you have all with your brother, you know what the Bible says? When you go to the altar, leave the altar. Is that what the Bible says? Leave the altar and go to your brother and get it right. Before you ever worry about the altar. We're so worried about what we look like. We're so worried about what people are saying about us. And we're crumbling because our relationships stink. Because we're mad at somebody because they borrowed a, a crock pot and didn't give it back. They borrowed a, a container and didn't give it back. They, they did this and, and never said that they were sorry. They did that. And boy, I'm telling you what it does. It eats us alive. And so often we're sitting in church and we're looking over at so-and-so thinking to ourselves, boy, she needed that message. Boy, I'm telling you, he needs to get off his feet and go to the altar. Paul, I'll tell you right now, get them, preacher, because they need it. And our old man is eating us alive. I mean, yeah, maybe so-and-so needed it. Yeah, sure they did. We all need it, don't we? 
but I need it too. You need it too. And before you worry about your brother and the little sliver that's in your brother's eye, you better worry about the beam that's sticking out of your own eye. I I don't know about you. Listen, our house is not that big. But But can you agree with me? There's always something to do around the house. You do the dishes, and by golly, this is getting the. When all our kids were home, I used to think, where are these dishes coming from? I mean, they just put them in the sink and put them in the sink, and you fill up the. and you take the trash out, right? And it's like you go down and sit in your recliner and you get up. Listen to me, nobody produces more trash in the Springer family. I'm convinced of it. I mean, we just trash after trash after trash, and you take out bag after bag. There's always something to do. Understand this. I have no desire to come clean your house because I have my house to clean. I have no desire to come and judge your yard. Holy smokes. My yard got a lot to do. But you know, that's what we do spiritually. We go around and we worry about everybody else's houses. We were about everybody else's yards. What? Can you? Did you go over to so and so's house? I mean, I don't even think they swept the floor. They certainly didn't dust. Did you look at the ceiling fan? Right. That's no. No, I'm not even. I'm not even talking about somebody's physical house. I'm talking about somebody's spiritual house. That's what we do. Can you believe she said that? Can you believe that he did that? Boy, I would never. And yada, 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 yada. How in the world are we ever going to praise in the proper way if we're fragmented in the church? If we're living in the old man in the church? And do you know, you know this, because most of you have been around long enough. Do you know it only takes one bad apple? Just one. You ever done that with fruit? You take fruit out, boy, you, you, you put fruit together, and, and, and an apple starts going bad. If you don't take that apple out of there, it'll start ruining the rest of the apples. And before you know it, all the apples are rotten, and all that money down the drain, because one apple was bad. All it takes is one man, all it takes is one woman to leaven the whole lump. I mean, to ruin the whole church. It only took, look, it only took Judas, right? It only takes one person, and and that one person can ruin the worship and the praise that God expects in his house. Why are you coming to church? Can I say something bold? I try to leave bold things off when Wendy's in here because she always tells me later, I shouldn't have said that. But can I say something bold? If your intention is to come to church is to be judgmental to everybody else, stay home. Just stay home. I'm convinced. I'm convinced some people are just that the reason they come to church is to judge everybody else. You're coming for the wrong reasons. Why do we come to church? We come to church to praise, honor, and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our goal is, isn't it? That's what it should be. 
And when you're fragmented, you can't do that. But when you're united, you can do that together. One of the things that always amazed me, always amazed me, is we'd take off. Preacher that I was uh, under in, in Jacksonville, we'd often go to Tennessee and we'd go to a, a, a men's conference. We'd go to this men's conference and I'm convinced the only reason preacher, or one of the only reasons preacher went is because they had books. So understand me, it's a great reason. And I started building my library back then. And we'd go up there and they'd have all these vendors all over the place and the book, pl- book places would be everywhere, used books. I mean, we just loved it. But then we're talking about an auditorium. We're talking about 1,500, 2,000 men in this auditorium. And the song leader would get up and he'd start leading the congregation. And these men would be, would be belting out these songs of praise. And I'm telling you, it just moved you to hear all these guys in unison just singing praises to who God is. And boy, it just charged you up. Oh, what, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be wonderful if every time we sung the songs, this sang a hymn or somebody sang a special, we sang it from a pure heart and a heart of praise for an audience of one and just united singing together, not worrying about it. I joke about it all the time, and I know I can't sing, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, God says to make a joyful noise, and it's contagious. I'm not the... Um, emotional kind of guy, so we'll go to meetings, and I don't, you know, I'm not the guy that gets up and screams amen and runs a lap, or, you know, I've seen those guys do that, and it just, I love it. I love to live to be a part of it when it's genuine. I love it. But I'm telling you, you get around a bunch of people that are doing it, you find yourself jumping up going, amen, brother, amen, and you're like, where'd that come from? Because it's contagious. You go raising your hand, you've seen everybody else raising your hand. Pretty soon it looks like you're out of place. And boy, you begin to praise the Lord, and you look around you, and everybody else is praising the Lord. That will do something for a church. Instead of looking down our noses at people. Why are you worried about if someone's saying amen anyways? It's none of your business. They're raising their hand. That ain't none of your business. Now, if they didn't put deodorant on, it might be the business of the person next to them, but it ain't none of yours. Praise the Lord that they're praising the Lord. Why don't you get a part of it? Maybe you're not the amen person. I get it. Man, you know when you're praising the Lord because you can feel it in your heart. When you sing those songs, and you might not even know the song, and boy, it just warms your heart. Unity and praise. God is honored when His people unite together in praise. I think of the Trisagia. You find the Trisagia there in uh, the book of Isaiah. And there are, there are uh, angels that are going about the throne. They call it the Trisagia because it's uh, Tri being uh, three and Sagia being holy. And they're going about his throne, singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 
You, you know what I think of when I think of that? Two things. Number one, I think of that's, that's continuous. God created those angels to go about his throne singing holy, holy, holy. You know the second thing I think of? They're in perfect unison. Going about the throne singing holy. Uh, pointedly, right? Holy, holy. If you're, if you're praising and you're worrying about the person next to you, you're not praising in the right direction. If you're singing and you're worried about the person next to you, I've been around them. Have you been around? Listen, I can imagine that if, when I'm in a, I'm not in a congregation very often, but when I'm in a congregation and they're singing and they're singing loud, I sing loud too. And I can imagine people around me going, what in the world is that? I'm not kidding. Usually I'm with Wendy and she sings very well, so she drowns me out half the time. But I can imagine people going, that dude can't sing for nothing. Do you know how much I care? I'm not singing for you. I'm not singing for the next person. By the way, let me take it a step further. I'm not preaching for you. I preach for God. God's called me to preach, and that's what I'm going to preach. If I preach for people, guess what? I'm going to leave a lot of things off. Because I got real good friends, and, well, you know, they're good people, and they're godly people, but they're divorced, so I'm going to stay away from that subject. I got good people, and, and they're, you know, they're good financial givers, and, but they got a problem in their life, so I'm going to stay away. No, no, no. I'm going to preach, thus saith the Lord, because I preach for God. And we praise not for man, we praise for God. And it needs to be in unity. Romans. I want you to turn over there uh, tonight. Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter 15, just a few pages back from where we are in 1 Corinthians. Unity of praise. Romans chapter 15 and verse 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? With one mind and with one mouth. As if I'm saying it, you're saying it, and the next person's saying it, and the next person's singing it. Do you know there's nothing worse than a, a, a choir that's not singing together? One person's singing and the next, next person's singing a different, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a different tune or singing in a different, a different spot. And boy, all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, okay, which one am I supposed to be paying attention to? But a well-trained choir, when they sing, you know there are, I don't know anything about music, but, but you know there are altos. There are sopranos. There are tenors. That is a thing, right, tenor? Yeah, tenors. There's, I think, bass. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I started that. But there are these different kinds of singers, right? And all these different kinds of singers sing differently. But you put them all together, and they're singing with what? One mouth. Do you know what God said? We ought to be praising Him with one mouth. Now, he didn't say praise him with one mouth and then speak out of the other side of your mouth and then speak out of your other side of your mouth. Some of us are experts at that. We say one thing, but then we say another thing out here and say another thing out there. No, no, no. Be so concentrated on praising God 
Be so concentrated on unity that you're not worried about everything else that's going on around you. Understand this. We don't have to worry about taking care of people that are living in the flesh. God will always take care of those people. What do we need to do? Draw you a circle. Stand in that circle and worry about everybody that's in that circle. Now, that circle might be a little bit bigger if you've got a family. Your family should be in that circle. Don't misunderstand me. But we need to concentrate on what we're doing. And if everybody concentrates on what they're doing for the Lord, then we are going to praise in unity. Last one. We need to have unity in doctrine and in church and in prayer and in praise. We need to have unity in love. In love. Philippians 2 and 2. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. I love this psalm, Psalm 133, in verse 1. What's the conclusion of the whole matter? That we have unity amongst God's people. To dwell in unity. To dwell in love. That we are to look. Boy, let me tell you something. We can go on for hours tonight about love. God has called us to love one another. Matter of fact... We talk about, we're not under the law anymore, preacher. We're under grace. So the Ten Commandments, we don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments, right? Wrong. Do you know that Jesus took the law a step further? You ever, you ever notice that? You know, the Bible says it's wrong to commit adultery. But the Bible says that if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's a step further. Do you know the Bible says it's wrong to kill? It's wrong to murder. Do you know the Bible says that if you hate your brother, you're a murderer already? I didn't say that. God said that. Do you know why God said that? Because of the paramount importance of love amongst God's people. Because love will cover a multitude of sins. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for a church that we can come to, a church where we can be united, a church where we can be one mind and one mouth, praising you and praying and uh, unity in our church and in our midst and all the things that you've called us to. Help us as a people. Help us as individuals to put away our infancy, to put away the old man, put on the new man, and walk in this newness of life that you've given us. Help us to walk in the fruits of the Spirit and not in the fruits of the flesh. You've called us. Help us to answer. Help us to listen. And help us to be your people. Again, we couldn't say it enough. We love you tonight. And we would not be where we are and we would not have what we have but for the grace of God. We're thankful for that tonight. Bless each one that's here. And I pray, Lord, that you have your will and your way in our lives this week. We'll be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for everything that you do. Dismiss us with your blessing. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday. Got special something special Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. Hope you'll be here.